before we get to my exclusive interview with Vice President of Player Development and Scouting, Gary Denbo, I want to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, and that is Happy Car Florida and Happy Car Sales. Now, listen, I've known the owner, Lou Marici, for about 15 years. I've bought cars from him at different locations all throughout South Florida, and now he's doing his own thing, just like me. Go figure that one. Louis Marici runs HappyCarsFlorida.com, and here's the best part about it. If you're interested in buying a car, whether you have good credit, bad credit, or get this, no credit whatsoever, you can buy a car from Louie. It's very simple. All you do is call 954-745-9599. Very specifically, tell Louie you heard about him on my podcast, Swings and Mishes, and he's going to get you into a car. Again, financing is done right in the dealership. It's easy to get a car. At the end of the day, you'll be driving out with whatever car you want. And here's the best part of it. If the car that you want is not on his lot, Louie's going to get it for you. How do I know? Because you can call him right in the cell phone and ask or text him. 561-716-6463. That's Louie's direct number. You text him and say, hey, Louie, I heard about you on Swings and Mishes. Here's the car I want. Can you get it for me? Bam. You got it. You're out and you're good. No credit, bad credit, good credit. Doesn't make a difference who you are. Louie will take care of you. Again, Happy Car Sales, 954-745-9599, located at 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. You'll be leaving Happy Car Sales very happy. And welcome to this episode of Swings and Mishes, a very special episode today as we bring in the Vice President of Player Development and Scouting, Gary Denbo, into the podcast for the first time. Gary, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. How are you? Great, Greg. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Let's kind of start off with uh, you. You spent more than a year into this process now with the Marlins, and if you wouldn't mind kind of just kind of describing where you think the franchise is in terms of where you started and where you want it to be. Well, you know, I, while, you know, you look at our major league record and I don't think there's anybody in the organization right now that would tell you we're satisfied with our win loss record at the major league level, uh, kind of quietly behind the scenes here, we've made great strides in this organization. Uh, our player development, uh, department led by Dick Scott and Jeff DeGroat, um, have, have come a long way uh, in developing a, a system development plan for all of our players that guides the way we teach and individual development plans for each ind- for each player that uh, guides the work that they do every single day on the field and uh, in the weight room and in the classroom and, and uh, other areas. Uh, we've hired some great people in player development and, and really in all departments. Uh, Keith Johnson, our AAA manager is, has been outstanding for us. We added him from the Anaheim Angels. He's been a great addition. Justin Mayshore uh, came from us from the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's our AAA hitting coach, and he's had a uh, outstanding positive effect on several of our AAA hitters that are some of them that are having career years there. And we look forward to his, the impact that he's making on those players. And I think our fans are going to see that very quickly. Uh, we hired Eric Duncan as our hitting quarter coordinator initially and now he's up at the major league level working with our hitters and I think we're starting to see the results of his work and and um, Jeff Livesey's work there we hired Jamie Quirk as our catching coordinator 
Gene Glenn as our infield coordinator. We have Ke we hired Kevin Barr last year as our, our strength conditioning uh, uh, coordinator, and he, now he's in the major. He's at the major league level. It's always good to see those guys that you hire um, go from the minor leagues up to the major league level. And uh, you know, we we look forward to promoting more of our staff up there. Uh, we've 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 added uh, Derek Anderson, our mental conditioning coach, now with Jim Soda. We've got a couple guys now that are helping our players on that side. Um, really happy with what's happening in pro scouting uh, with uh, Adrian Lorenzo and Jared Barnes leading that uh, operation, that department. Uh, we're now covering every pro team in professional baseball and the independent leagues. We've got added coverage of the Dominican Summer League and the Winter Leagues. Um, we've added coverage into, uh, into Asia where uh, we'll have coverage in Europe this year. So uh, with new report systems, new grading systems, uh, new targeted coverage, our pro scouting department has made great strides this year. Very happy with the progress there. Uh, our amateur scouting department was outstanding, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Uh, international scouting led by Fernando Seganal has uh, has done great work. We've identified several players there that I think are major league caliber players. They're all young. They're 16, 17 years old right now. Some of them are younger that we've committed, um, but we think have an excellent chance of helping us um, in the future with our major league team. Um, our analytics department is has done outstanding work. They're probably the most valuable uh, uh, players of our organization over the last year. The uh, Dan, the work that Dan Greenley and Miles Lewis and Bradley Woodrum have done in that department has had a positive effect on every single department in our organization. And, um, and we just got a lot of really good things happening here. And, and uh, I'm pleased with where we are right now. Obviously, we'd like to be doing better at, at all levels, but that requires that we identify uh, good young players, develop them, and put them in a position to have success at the major league level. And we're certainly working on that right now. Yeah, and, and Gary, thank you for that uh, thorough explanation. I think that, as you alluded to, the most recent development is the amateur draft, which was just completed. How important, Gary, was bringing DJ Svillick into the fold? I think that both locally and nationally, a lot of accolades have come in as to how well the Marlins performed in the draft. And it seems to me that one of the main reasons behind it was DJ Svillick. So if you wouldn't mind expanding on that. Well, DJ was a very important addition to our staff in, in international, or excuse me, in amateur scouting uh, for the Marlins organization. DJ and I have a relationship that goes back uh, well over 15 years, uh, working together when he was a uh, area scout and then a national cross checker for the Yankees organization. Uh, DJ is known throughout the industry, uh, throughout baseball, as a as a guy that is a relentless worker, uh, pays attention to detail uh, like no other, uh, great communication skills. Uh, he has a great passion for scouting. Uh, he did a great job communicating with his scouts and building his team this year for the, uh, for the amateur draft. Uh, we are very lucky to have DJ Spillick in the organization, and, and I think the results of our re most recent draft showed that. And Gary, I would, I would ask you this because it did seem that in this draft, there was, at least from my perspective, perhaps some others, a philosophical change in the kind of players that were taken, even from a year ago, Gary. So I'm kind of wondering, is it fair to say that, that you or the organization was unhappy with where 
the scouting and draft was even from a year ago? And, and perhaps maybe that's why changes were made so swiftly after the draft, if you wouldn't mind expanding on that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think what's fair to say is that uh, amateur scouting is an extremely difficult job. Uh, and, and no matter how long you've been in the, in the industry, you understand that their mistakes are going to be made. That being said, I mean, the work that uh, Stan Meek did and David Krausen did before um, uh, DJ Spillick took over the amateur scouting department, uh, they had some big hits. Uh, we've got guys like Braxton Garrett and Jordan Holloway and Trevor Rogers already in the organization that, um, that we think are going to be a great fit for us in, um, uh, in our starting rotation in the future. And it's very difficult to find starters, and we think all three of those guys are going to contribute and, and they make up a, a, a really, really talented group of starting pitchers that we have throughout the organization. So they did great work prior to that. But, yeah, DJ, DJ Spillick, uh, he brought in a, a philosophy uh, of scouting with, you know, where we're looking for foot speed, arm speed, bat speed, athleticism. Um, you know, we're, we're, we, we've uh, placed a renewed importance on performance, uh, on hitability. Uh, you know, but we're still looking for uh, for athletes with elite tools and and power and strength. But but uh, you know, I think we were uh, fortunate to be in the situation we were in uh, with our fourth overall pick, and and then the the picks following that um, that we ended up getting some players that that met all of the criteria that we were looking for. So we're very pleased with uh, with what happened in this draft. Gary, is there a player from the draft that, that you could potentially single out for me that you saw personally, either at the top or at the bottom, that caught your eye that was important for you in this process? Would there be a player? Well, it's hard because we, I, you know, we've, we've got some players that I love in this draft. And, and, uh, and, I, and I had an opportunity to see most of the players in the top three rounds of the draft as I scouted after spring training up until the draft. And uh, I, I suppose if you could pick one out, it would be Nassim Nunez, the, the shortstop we got from Lawrenceville, Georgia. Um, he is um, he's, he's very much everything you look for in a middle infielder. Uh, we think uh, Nassim is, is going to have uh, is going to stay as a shortstop. Uh, he's the middle of the field type defender that we look for. Uh, he's got plus arm strength. He is an 80 runner on the, on the grading scale, which is as high as you can possibly be. Um, the athleticism, the quickness, and the footwork that he shows at shortstop is exceptional. He's got great body control. You know, this is a kid that um, all he needs is a little bit of added si size and strength, and we think he's going to be um, – um, he's got an excellent opportunity to be a, a major league shortstop for us in the future. So – very pleased to get that to add that kind of athlete to our organization, um, and and with all of that, he also has exceptional makeup. Uh, you know, I got a chance to watch uh, Nunez in one of his first works out workouts up in Ju in uh, Jupiter last week, and he has already fit in really well with the rest of his teammates. He's he's the guy that has some leadership skills, and he was very comfortable. And for a high school kid to come into the organization and be comfortable on the field in his first few days as a pro is, is very unusual. So this kid is something special, and I, I'm really, really excited about adding him to the organization. Gary, before we get to you, uh, one last thing just on the kids recently that you drafted for, for people that can get a better understanding for the development side of things. 
once the players are signed, Gary, then what happens? What do they do at, at that point? How do you get them uh, in the development process? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. We've, we've uh, you know, we bring all of our guys down into Jupiter. They go through a physical process to make sure they're all healthy and, and ready to go. And at that point, you know, we, we start them into the development process, which, which right away, that means they sit down with our coaches. Um, we meet with them. And we talk to them about their, what they believe their strengths and limitations are. And, and we start to develop their individual player development program. And with that, you know, we um, comes kind of an organizational rule that uh, we have a 30 day policy where we don't change anything with the players that we bring into the organization. We just sit, watch them, you know, they're, they're going through the uh, system development plan and learning you know, bunt plays and run down plays and relay plays and, and uh, how to hit a cutoff man and signs and all of those things. But, but we don't change anything they've done. You know, we, we obviously we thought they were good players before they arrived. So, uh, you know, they may do some things that are a little uh, unorthodox or whatever, but it's allowed them to have success over time. So we, we pretty much take a hands-off policy for those first 30 days. All the while we're developing individual development plans with our coordinators and our coaches and our managers. So when that 30-day uh, period expires, then we can go to work on the things that they need to go to work on. Um, but, um, you know, it's an exciting time for us, for all of our coaches. It's, it's kind of like Christmas for our coaches and our, and our staff, you know, getting these new players, especially the, the level of talent that uh, we were able to acquire this year. Okay, Gary, now the fun part. Let's get to you here a little bit. Uh, first of all, <laughs> I don't think that people realize that they, they know you from, you know, being with the Marlins and maybe even the Yankees, but some folks may not realize that you were a hitting coach with the Toronto Blue Jays. You also spent time as a hitting coach overseas in Japan. Was there ever a career path, Gary, that you thought that you would continue along at the pro level, maybe moving to manager or continuing to pros as a hitting coach? How did, how did you kind of go on this path? Yeah, that's another good question. I mean, I started out as a manager in the minor leagues after my brief professional playing career. I played up to double A and I, I thought I wanted to manage at that point. I met a gentleman named Jay Ward that, that kind of came became my mentor and, and he taught me how to how to coach hitting. And I found out that uh, teaching hitting was my passion at, at uh, you know, at kind of an early, early age for coaching around 30 years old. And, uh, and I became a hitting coach, and I, I love doing that. I, I, that is still my passion. I love working with hitters and talking to hitters and watching hitters. And, uh, but, but, um, and, and then I, had the, I, I was fortunate to become a major league uh, hitting coach and, and then work in uh, player development uh, responsibilities. And then, and, then, um, and then later on, after I came back from Japan, I got into uh, – pro scouting and amateur scouting and international scouting and you know I was I was really lucky to be around some great people guys like Phil Livesey and and Gene Michael and Buck Showalter and Brian Butterfield guys like that that you know that uh, some, some of those names are known others not so much but they're great baseball men and I was able to to be around those guys and and take lessons from all of them and and those are the lessons we're trying to apply here as we build the Marlins organization. Yeah, and, and speaking of which, Gary, I think that this would be great to get your words specifically on how you and how we should describe Gary Denbo's leadership style. We've heard uh, just how disciplined you like things and how much accountability there has to be within the organization. 
I would love you to take the floor, Gary, here and, and tell people what you believe that you would want others to know about the way that you lead and your leadership style within the organization. Right. Well, I, you know, Greg, I came from an organization. Uh, you know, I, I grew up under uh, George Steinbrenner's leadership and, and uh, expectations are very high in, the, in, in, in that organization at that period of time. Um, accountability was a, was a, was a major buzzword. You know, everybody had their, uh, their, their job descriptions and everybody was expected to execute them. Um, you know, we, we, we focused on excellence, you know, every day in and day out, you know, trying to find ways to get better, uh, every day and, and trying to find ways to, uh, to beat other clubs in the way that they were going about their business, but in both in player development and scouting, um, you know, so those, the, the level of high expectation and, and, uh, and accountability and then, and, uh, is, is very important. That's, that's kind of what I grew up in. And then, and then, you know, to build relationships with people, uh, hopefully, you know, over time, you know, as people get to know you a little bit better and, and, uh, you can develop great relationships with people and, and I think that's where um, you you begin to build build a team of coaches and managers and scouts that that uh, can perform at a high level. You know, as trust starts to develop, and and then uh, and then the, you've got an excellent opportunity when you've got those great relationships and and people that understand what what the job is that they're expected to do, and and uh, you get you add better and better people to the organization and you've got an excellent chance to, to build a championship organization. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And, and, and certainly I think also, Gary, there are people that are out there that also will say that Gary Denbo outside of Marlin CEO, Derek Jeter is the most important voice in the organization. That's what we hear publicly. Is that an accurate assessment, Gary? Well, I would say this, um, you know, I, I've learned over the years that championships don't happen uh, because of one person in the organization or two or even three. I mean, championship, championships happen because of uh, teamwork from all departments. And I mentioned earlier, you know, our, scout, our pro scouting department, international scouting department, um, uh, our amateur scouting department, our analytics department, our education department, our strength and conditioning all of the departments in, in, uh, in the organization um, have to come together and work together to, to develop a championship caliber organization. And, and uh, there's no way that, that uh, you know, that any one person can do that alone. Um, you know, I, and I'll, I'll speak to what happened last night. You know, we had a couple injuries at the major league level and uh, we had no less than seven people uh, involved in the decision making to, to decide how to make up for the injuries that we had at that level and what moves were going to be made. So, you know, it, we've, we've been able to develop a, a great team so far here in player development and baseball operations and scouting uh, that are, we're working together and uh, hopefully adding the best experts that we can in each area. And, uh, you know, my leadership style, and, and I think it goes along with Mike Kills and, and Brian Chattens and Derek Jeters is to, is to um, you know, go to the experts, get their opinions and make the, the best informed decision uh, that you can with the information that you have available. And, uh, and hopefully we'll make a lot more 
uh, accurate decisions than other teams. Okay. A uh, few more questions for Gary Denbo here. One example of accountability, assessing players, making trades, would be the first trade that the new regime made when they basically took over, which was acquiring Caleb Smith and Garrett Cooper from the Yankees, the organization that you were a part of. Gary, is it fair to say that you were instrumental in that deal happening, knowing those players? I would say it's fair to say that, that, I, that I knew those players very well because I came from the organization. And we had information about uh, both Caleb Smith and Garrett Cooper, um, you know, that they were, they were part of an organization that, that was very strong at the time, and it was going to be very difficult for both each of those guys to make the 25-man roster of that club. And, and uh, so we had information that they might be available. Um, you know, I, a lot of the credit for, for those two players goes to Dan Greenlee, our, our uh, uh, director of player personnel for the Marlins. Uh, Dan is one of the brightest people in the game right now when it comes to player acquisition and statistics and analytics. Uh, did a great job of identifying, especially Caleb Smith, uh, you know, Caleb at the time, you know, I think was walking over four batters per nine and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and he, he, he was coming off a great year in AAA, but his history didn't say that, that he was going to have the type of success that he's having right now. And, uh, Dan Greenlee was one of the first people to recognize that Caleb, uh, had that kind of potential, uh, you know, and Garrett Cooper, the same thing, you know, we, we, Garrett, Garrett was coming off a year in AAA where he, where he, uh, he, he finally found the power that everybody expected to see from a man his size at that time. Uh, he has always been a good hitter. Uh, we thought they were getting a, a Garrett Cooper that was on his way up and, and, uh, and learning to hit for power. And as you guys saw last night, you know, uh, he's had a couple grand slams for us. He's uh, when he's healthy, he's a major force in the middle of our lineup. And, and uh, you know, we're very fortunate to have those two guys in our lineup right now. Yeah, looks like uh, at least on the surface from what we've seen in the sample so far, it's uh, a win for the Marlins in that trade. There's no question about that. Gary, what would people be surprised to know about you, whether it is personally or professionally, that they may not know? Yeah, it's yeah, a hard question. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, just personally, you know, I, I've been married for 34 years to my wife, Penny. You know, we're both from Southern Indiana and and met uh, when we were in high school, and and she stuck with me all these years through uh, I don't know uh, some 25 or 26 different moves, different states over the years. I've been in professional baseball, so she's been great. I've uh, got two great kids. One's a uh, fourth grade school teacher, Emily, and and my son Andy is a uh, sergeant in the sheriff's department up here around the Tampa area. Uh, they're both doing great at, at their job and exceptionally proud of them. They're, they're out there serving people, you know, uh, uh, and doing, and doing great work and not necessarily making nearly the money that they, they should make for the work that they're doing, but I'm extremely proud of them for the work that they do. Uh, and I just recently had two grandsons, uh, born a week apart. My son had a boy and my daughter had a boy born a week apart and, and, uh, as anybody out there that knows that has kids or grandkids, it's, those are game changers and they make your life a lot better. Well, congratulations on that, Gary. I thought you were going to say you're a big, you. video, a big video game player or something like that. I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> okay. No, uh, but uh, – yeah, Go ahead. No, I, you know, I, I, 
you know, we're looking at our, my grandsons and, uh, they look pretty athletic to me right now. And so we're, we're looking, uh, we're looking about 18 years ahead for the draft and thinking it's going to look pretty good. Yeah. I, I heard DJ was over there scouting cribs. Yeah, that, that could be. Okay. Uh, last question, Gary, thank you for, for all the time you've given me, by the way, I appreciate it. Uh, okay, Gary. Yeah. So I think this is really, you know, the bottom line with all of this is that if, if I'm a fan or if someone is a fan of the Miami Marlins and, and on the field, on the pro side, you get it, you understand it. It's in the midst of a very tough on the field season. Gary, as a fan, as a Marlins fan who may be listening, why should they be optimistic that the right things are being done behind the scenes outside of what we see on the field and even publicly? Yeah, I, I think, um, well, first of all, there's some positive things happening on the field at the major league level right now that, that people need to recognize. I mean, I think we're starting to see the, some um, some of the uh, players that are going to be part of our, our championship run when, when we get to that position. Uh, you know, uh, we've got players on the field right now that, uh, that have high ceiling, uh, that have uh, special tools. And, and, and we think that, uh, you know, I think we were off to a start there. But I would say, you know, to our fans that, that, um, that know that we have a great plan in place here, that we are executing that plan, that we've hired some of the best, sharpest-minded people in baseball um, to work for the Marlins, and we're going to keep adding those people. Um, you know, through our scouting department, we are adding exceptional young athletes to our to, um to the Marlins organization, um, you know we are we are placing an emphasis on excellence at every single level. We have high expectations for our players and our staff, and and um, you know we're building a great organization. But I guess I guess lastly, it, it, it's all about the players. You know, it's it's about the players that we acquire, about the players we draft. Um, you know, and if you look up and down our minor league level, you've got. I mean, guys like Connor Scott and Isan Diaz and Monte Harrison and Jordan Holloway, Zach Gallen, uh, Jose Devers and Vic, Victor Victor Mesa, Sixto Sanchez, uh, Edward Cabrera, Will Banfield. I mean, we, I could go on. That's a lot of young athletic players with foot speed and arm speed and bat speed and athleticism and power. And, and um, these guys are on their way. And uh, I think fans can, are, are going to love watching these young players play when they do arrive at the, uh, at the major league level. And uh, we've got enough of them now in the system, uh, especially with the additions of, of the guys that we drafted this year, um, that we're going to be consistently uh, able to provide uh, high caliber impact players to the major league level uh, when these guys develop and get to that, uh, get to that level of skill. Well, Gary, thank you so much for being so thorough and providing people here on the podcast an inside look as to your role and what is going on with the Marlins. And also thank you to, uh, thank you, to you for agreeing to come on the podcast as well. I really appreciate that. And I hope to see you at the ballpark soon or in Jupiter soon, and we'll catch up again soon, okay? That's my pleasure, Craig. Thanks. Thank you, Gary. As always, want to thank All Year Cooling for presenting this podcast. All Year Cooling has serviced my unit in my house for more than a decade. Tommy Smith is the best. There's no one better 
that you could ever ask for, especially with the summer here, folks. Do you need your AC checked? Do you need it repaired? They give free estimates. They have the best financing of any air conditioning company in the state of Florida. And if you want to get a new unit, you need to call Tommy right now, 888-204-5554. As I mentioned, I have a unit in my house. And if I should ever have an issue, and we're talking about two or three in 10 years, I call all gear. They're at my house in 10 minutes. They have the best service plans possible, and they take care of you because they've been family-owned and operated for more than 25 years. That's Tommy Smith, my friend, the owner of All Gear Cooling, 888-204-5554. What are you waiting for? The summer is here. Before your unit goes down, call all gear right now and get it repaired. 888-204-5554. Incredible financing options at All Year Cooling. Stay cool in the summer with Tommy Smith and All Year Cooling. 888-204-5554. And welcome back to this episode of Swings and Mishes. Uh, joining you now, I am your producer, Jeremy Taché. And now I'm here with Craig. And Craig, that interview, there is a lot to unpack there with that really conversation is. with Gary Demko. Yeah. So much information. I, I'm just wondering your initial thoughts on the whole thing. I mean, really amazing that he just sat down and spoke with us for over a half hour. Yeah, and, and I you want to make clear that, uh, you know, I asked Gary to do the podcast myself. And in due time, he ended up doing it kind of, you know, f figuring it around the draft time was was probably the, the best time to do it. And yeah, he's a really polarizing and fascinating man because he doesn't do a lot of interviews and he has a prominent, you know, the, one of the most prominent roles in the Marlins organization. And uh, there's just a lot to talk about with him because of how important his role is and how important he is as the advisor and developer of players, advisor to CEO Derek Jeter and developer of really the entire organization. So between Gary Denbo, President Michael Hill, and CEO Derek Jeter, and then pretty much all of the other players you would say that fall into line in terms of the front office executives, they're getting to the point where they feel really comfortable in the people that they brought in. So I think at this point, I hope that people get to understand that, look, Gary is, is trying to do a lot of uh, you know, self-evaluation, evaluation of the organization, and based on things that he saw that worked in the past, he's trying to do now. Whether or not in a few years, that's going to lead to the postseason or the World Series. We just don't know. But historically speaking, if you're going to mimic or copy an organization and you're talking about historically the best organizations, well, the last few years would be the Houston Astros, the Chicago Cubs, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees. So, Jeremy, we'll see. We'll see if it all ends up working out. But I got to say that I thought that he gave as much information as he possibly can with every little detail that's going on in this organization. I couldn't have said it even, I couldn't have come close to being able to explain it the way that he did. Right. There was so much detail to it, even including what their player development process is. I mean, I was fascinated by that, but the guy who gets the players there, these initial players that, that come into the organization that are drafted, it's DJ Spillick. And we've talked a lot about Spillick's impact on the draft and everything that he did leading up to the draft and Gary Denbo even, you know, discussed him throughout that interview. And so 
everything that's going on with DJ Spillick and his input on the organization. You know, I saw you tweet last week about Spillick and, and yeah. the way that he's going through this organization and his impact. So uh, can we dive a little bit deeper into that? What, what is going on and, and what is the role of DJ Spillick in your mind? And what are your thoughts on him? Sure. And, and it kind of goes hand in hand with Gary Denbo because DJ Svillick is not here if Gary Denbo is not here. DJ Svillick is Gary Denbo's guy. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. So Gary obviously demands accountability and discipline and doing things the right way. The Marlins will use first class as, as a description. And that's exactly what DJ Svillick is. And honestly, I didn't really talk to G DJ Svillick a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, a year ago, but in the time and, and the limited time that I've been able to speak to him and, and get to know him a little bit better, I would say that in my years of covering baseball of 20 plus years, there's no question that I've dealt with some of the most intelligent and successful men in the history of baseball from hall of famers to executives. I, I've covered it all, but my first impressions at the very least with uh, DJ Spillick is you're not going to find someone that's going to outwork him. Mm. And that is why I think he gets probably so long with Gary Denbo is this man is already with the draft done thinking about next year's draft. And, and maybe that's the way every organization is. I don't know, but the passion that he exudes when he talks, the detailed explanations of the players and why he took them, his beliefs and theories and philosophies, they make sense. And, and we don't know if the players that they drafted this past year, Jeremy, are going to develop the way that they will in terms of getting to a championship. And certainly we know that they're going to be successes and failures. We've seen it in the past. We'll see it in the future. But you're going to be very hard-pressed in the history of the Miami Marlins franchise to find somebody more passionate than this guy. I, I just... I, it would be, I rarely have conversations with people that I come away thinking, my gosh, this is like the equivalent of John Gruden speaking to him when he was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like the guy's getting into work at 4 a.m. and he's staying till midnight and he doesn't sleep and he's sleeping there. Like I see all of those same sort of traits. And so it's really interesting for me. Um, you know, I want to also touch back here on, on Gary Denbo for a minute because I think that there's no doubt that people are probably you know, focusing in on a couple of the things that were said during the podcast, maybe a couple of the questions that I asked about his leadership style and, um, you know, and, and his voice in the organization. And here's what I find fascinating. And, and I want to be clear on this. I'm not going to make a comparison of Gary to anybody else in sports. This is not meant to be a, this is like an apples and oranges conversation, but I just want to give you an example of something because I don't believe and I don't know Gary well enough to make comparisons to people like Nick Saban and like Bill Belichick, okay? So do not take that as a comparison between the two, the two people. But ask yourself this question in two or three years. Let's just say, hypothetically, the Marlins are, are winning championships, right? Look at all of the positive things that people say about people that have been in the sports industry as coaches, as managers, as developers that have had a hard line, tough nose approach to the game. Mm -hmm. That doesn't say, that doesn't mean that anything is right or wrong based on the past, based on the present or based on the future. But it's a lot easier to understand when a team is winning and a franchise is winning, how much you are loved within your own organization. And again, Nick Saban at Alabama 
is the most loved coach in the history of that school. And Urban Meyer was until he, you know, the end of his career was a disaster. <laughs> but at the University of Florida, when I went there, he was loved there. And he was loved at Ohio State. I mean, he was, the, he was arguably, in terms of winning over the last 20 years, probably the most successful uh, college coach outside of Nick Saban. Now, Debo Sweeney, uh, Swinney is also from, from Clemson. But look how long Bill Belichick has lasted in New England. Hated everywhere outside of New England. They love him there, too. And why? Because they win. And in the Mar- if the Marlins pull this off with Gary Denbo leading this mm-hmm. in two years, everybody is going to want Gary Denbo to run their franchise. This is a fact. <laughs> Nothing else is going to matter. And look, Gary basically couldn't get any higher in this franchise unless he was the president of the team or something or, or, or owned the team. I, have no, I don't know even how that hierarchy works, but when you're a winner, that's all people look at. The Marlins are not winning right now on the pro side. So if they're not, it is so easy to sit there and just poke holes and tell stories, and I get it, and I understand it. But I just want to be clear and look at the kind of things that could happen if the Marlins end up good in two years. We will look back in a couple of years and say, do you remember when we had Gary Denbo on on the podcast and he was describing all the things in the organization and he was talking about his leadership style and he was talking about, uh, you know, everything else? And I just think that's important to note because when you're down and you're not winning – like the Marlins have not on the pro side now here Mm -hmm. two years in a row. It is very easy to kick people when they're down. I've been there too. Let's see what happens when they're winning. I'm curious in two years or next year or three years, five years, whenever it is, when the Marlins are winning, I am curious uh, who will get the credit for that. And clearly at this point, if the Marlins do pull this off in a few years, Gary Denbo is going to be right at the top in terms of uh, delivering the credit for the turnaround. Well, in, in running an organization and turning around an organization in sports is, is so similar to business. And in business, you would want the people running your organization to be meticulous. And based off of the conversation that you just had with Gary Denbo and all of the detail that he provided as to how they go about scouting and how they go about developing. And then what you're talking to me about with DJ Spillick as well. I mean, those are the traits that you would hope to find in the people running your organization. Uh, as we move forward. And now all of that said, you know, we're, we're however long into this podcast, we could actually talk about what is happening on the field, who's on and off the field right now. And, and it's since our last podcast, we've, we've had Jose Urena go on the IL. We have Caleb Smith on the IL. We don't have Zach Gallen called up. We do have Jordan Yamamoto called up. And last night he threw an absolute gem. I mean, it was really fun to watch Jordan Yamamoto pitch last night. Your thoughts on all of the moves on the pitching side of things, on who's with the club, who's not with the club, what, what, what the deal is here, and, and, and Yamamoto's performance last night as well. Yeah, it, it, first of all, we'll, we'll have to see how Jose Ureña is in a couple of weeks to see if he could end up coming back and being effective for Miami. They certainly have a couple of options in the minor leagues that they could end up taking his spot. My understanding on Caleb Smith is that he could be back potentially in a week, but it will not be on Monday when Eliezer Hernandez ends up pitching for them. So a a couple of potentially short-term injuries, I think, but let's not kid ourselves. Zach Gallen in the minor leagues is ready. He did not line up to be able to pitch against the Cardinals. And you heard Gary mention in the podcast that they had seven people talking about who to call up. They, this caught the Marlins by surprise. They didn't know five days ago when Arena pitched after the game that he wasn't going to be able to start. And so they made the call inevitably to call up Yamamoto. And speaking of which, let's give Yamamoto as much credit as you possibly can. This kid gets a call in the middle of the afternoon and says, 
you got to come to South Florida and pitch against the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that had just won two in a row, throw seven shutout innings with, with not really throwing much heat, but just kind of keeping good pace and keeping guys off balance. And look, first start, you could not ask Jeremy for anything more. There is a wealth of riches in pitching in terms of the organization. They'll have to pick up with the hitting at some point, but Yamamoto, add him now to the list of potential good pitchers. Right. I will be very curious how he does next time against St. Louis. I will be very, very curious because I don't think that St. Louis had a ton of scouting and a ton of information on this kid, even with them knowing 24 hours that he was going to pitch on the Marlins. I don't think that they had a clue as to how to game plan. Now they do. They've seen him. They know that there's no 97. And look, other pitchers are able to get it done like this. Somebody on his own team, Trevor Richards, doesn't throw particularly hard. He's able to get outs too. So maybe Yamamoto will have that same game plan against St. Louis and go back to what works. But I am really curious how the second start is going to go because as the game was going on, let's be real, they would have won anyway. He would have pitched real anyway. But there were some really hard hit balls in that game. There were some really nice double plays in that game too. Let's see what happens in St. Louis. But the Marlins have to be supremely happy, not just with him, but Eliezer Hernandez, who came up in a spot start and did a good job too. The fun thing with Yamamoto, and just to, to get inside baseball for a second, the thing with Yamamoto and the way that he pitches that does keep teams off balance and, and allows me to think that there could be success with him going forward is he pitches backwards. So what that means in layman's terms is where most guys early on in the game and throughout the game start hitters off with a fastball and play their breaking balls off of the fastball, right? They're establishing that heat early and using the breaking ball to get hitters out. What you notice with Yamamoto is he'll start guys off with that off speed quite often and work backwards, use the fastball almost as a put-out pitch because players are off balance. So that's why you saw actually a lot of weak contact because guys were late. Now, there were some hard hit balls because when you only throw 91, 92, 93 at your hardest, people are going to ultimately hit the ball hard if you miss your spot. But it's fun to watch guys like that pitch backwards, compete, and stay around the strike zone. And like you mentioned, Trevor Richards will be the perfect example for him as someone that does that that often. And the reason that Yamamoto was able to, to get the win on a relatively easy basis because Marlins were up 5 nothing after one. And why were they up 5 nothing after, after two uh, is because Garrett Cooper. Garrett Cooper, again. Garrett Cooper is out of his mind right now. He's <laughs> close to 400 this month. He's good. He's, he's good. Uh, he's been phenomenal as a hitter. Garrett Cooper hit a grand slam last night, a triple. He got the easy stuff out of the way early, or the hard stuff out of the way early with the triple yeah. and, the, and the grand slam. Uh, was close to the cycle. Thoughts on Cooper before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, Cooper's been great. He's he, Now you kind of know why the Marlins were so adamant about giving him an opportunity, and health has been the key for him. He hadn't been able to stay healthy, and it looks like he is now. He's already hitting two grand slams. Uh, he's hit two grand slams, excuse me. He's been, I, I think, arguably their best offensive player over the last month. Hopefully that will rub off on some of the other players because, you know, let's be honest here, we're a month away basically from the Major League Baseball trade deadline, deadline Jeremy. You have Arania on the injured list. Castro has been – I mean, I'll just move on. I won't even use an adjective. It has not been a good year for Castro. Walker's on the injured list. Uh, Grandy's coming to the end of his career. Uh, Romo, he's been okay. But, look, they, they have a lot of players that if they could get themselves right, they could get something back for them in a month. They would get nothing right now, Jeremy, nothing. Yeah. And so while Cooper has been so good – 
it's almost like if, if you said, if you granted the Marlins right now, what would you want? Three wishes for the rest of the month. Maybe some people would say, oh, you want to see the pitching? You want to see? No, no, no. You want to see these players that they have basically 40-something days until the July 31st trade deadline to give them some value back. They got international free agent money last year in trades. They got players back last year at the trade deadline in trades. Boy, they, they got to get some of these veterans going here, I think, soon. And so, you know, certainly Cooper's a great sign. The pitching has been a great sign. But if you're looking for a focus, for me at least, coming up soon, they have to get something back for some of these guys that they signed one-year deals on because that could jumpstart the, uh, the organization in different ways as well, minor league system and IFA money. Right. It's going to be interesting to see the way it all plays out, but we do have about 40 days before that. We got about 40 seconds before we finish up this episode. Any final notes uh, before we get going on either Denbo or Spillick or anything that's happened on the field or, you know, everything new that we're doing here with Swings and Mishes? Yeah, I think that's the way we'll end it. Swings and Mishes dot com. Those of you who, who just listened to the podcast, you can now go over to our website. I've decided to expand our coverage of the Miami Marlins. And look, I, I hope that there's a lot more positive things in two years or a year to talk about, because you, you have to know, by the way, that I would believe that that's coming or else I wouldn't engage in doing a whole new website and hiring people to do this. So uh, certainly yourself, Jeremy, I appreciate you, uh, you know, really taking the next step and being part of this. And I have a lot of trust in you that you're going to be able to do a great job, basically co-running this operation really with me for sure. So thank you for, for making that. Uh, happen for me. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, also want to thank um, our two new uh, writers who are going to be writing. And they they come from Fist Stripes, which is a great website. By the way, congratulations to Eli Sussman, who broke the Yamamoto call-up story. He did a great job there. And Ian Smith and Louis Davila did a, did a phenomenal job over there. I've come to trust them for many, many years, both in the press box and as personal friends. And so I feel comfortable being able to put them in an atmosphere in an environment where they can cover major league baseball and minor league baseball. And I can, uh, and I can, you know, help them develop into basically reporters like I've been for many, many years. And then we're going to do a Spanish version of swings and missions called swings and missions in Espanol, which is going to be led by Daniel Alvarez and Oscar Prieto Rojas. I've known both of them for a long period of time as well. Uh, I'll start with Oscar. Oscar has uh, a very strong background in, baseball in Venezuela. His family is from there. They own teams there. I've, I've talked baseball with him for hours and hours at a time. We've always talked about doing something together. This was the first opportunity to do it, and I jumped on it right away to bring him in to do this because I trust his knowledge and expertise at the, both the local and national level. And then Daniel Alvarez, this will be his first time doing something with us more frequently. I know he's been on our podcast before, but he covers every game at Marlins Park or virtually every game at Marlins Park. And if I'm going to have people that are going to be working on the major league side and covering the team, I need people who are going to be there. I, you know, c- covering this team from Twitter and weighing in and keyboard Cowboys, that's not getting it done here on swings and misses. Uh, no, that's, I, I hold my people that will work with me and for me accountable with things that they say and things that they do. And I know Daniel is going to be in that clubhouse, whatever he says about a player right or wrong, they'll be able to find him and be able to talk to him about it. And, uh, and he'll be the representation on that point for the uh, Spanish side of it. And I'm sure that they'll cover other things too, not just the Marlins, but they have the wherewithal to cover international baseball if they like as well. So essentially, Jeremy, that's it. Those, that's the group behind uh, Swings and Mishes and swingsandmishes.com. And certainly our sponsors that are now fully behind this, 
in Happy Car and All Year Cooling, and we're going to have several more that are going to be coming aboard you'll hear about very soon. I thank everybody for the support with that. This is a big venture for me, and I really believe that we can, we can really do something special here by covering not just the Marlins, but of course that's the focus here, but covering all of Major League Baseball and developing what we've already built here to take it to kind of the next level. Well, thank you, Craig, for the direction, the guidance, the compliments, and uh, we're all looking forward to the future. 